When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I think we're having a hard time getting past the quarterback conversation. I think that when you see Matt Eberflus change the designation for Justin Fields week-to-week, day-to-day, um, I know that on the Mullen Haw Show, we spent way too much time with uh, caller interaction, and there seems to be an audience response to Bajan uh, and the turnovers and wanting to give him one more chance. And my contention that, okay, if Justin Fields is healthy and is reasonable to expect that he will be, it's time to give him back the job, to give him an opportunity to play out the stretch and, and stay healthy if he can and give him eight more games to evaluate. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think there it's almost like two different conversations, unfortunately, sort of meshing in the same room, because I think that Tyson Bajan's promise and the potential that he's shown in the three starts he's made is still legitimate. Obviously, the turnovers yesterday dilute that significantly and, and your inability to take care of a game late that was there to be won is something that factors into the conversation. But this was always going to be a season that centered around where Justin Fields took his development. We've talked now for a couple of weeks about making sure we get the clearest picture of that over the last couple months of the season. And that requires Justin getting back on the field as soon as possible, playing in as many games as possible and giving you the, the largest body of evidence possible to make your, your assessment. And so, yes, I do think that if his grip strength is there, if his pain tolerance is there, if his ability to, um, go through walkthrough this week instead of regular practice reps and get himself comfortable again in playing offensive for Chicago Bears is there. He needs to go back out there. I am not ready to close the door on Tyson Bajan, though, because in my rewatch on Monday morning, David, you go back through everything through the first three quarters and you go, man, there are some high quality quarterback feel moments here whether it's the ability to uh, get out and scramble, whether it's the ability to get out with your eyes up and hit a check down, whether it's your ability to have that eternal clock that says the ball's got to go here and this is when it's got to get there. And, and whether it's those, those throws to start the game, one to Mooney, one to DJ Moore, the see it, rip it throws. Those are big league plays by a young quarterback still making his way in this league. Now, Look, like the turnovers are unacceptable. They're inexcusable. You can't live with those and you can't look past them. They're going to be part of the conversation. But I didn't see anything Sunday in New Orleans that says, close the book on this kid. He'll never be anything in this league. His ceiling is as a QB2, and that's the end of it. 
Well, I don't know that I would be that harsh either. And I don't, and I hope it, I didn't come across as that definitive. I, I think what Tyson Bage improved to me in three and a half games essentially is that he does have a future in this league. My guess is it's going to be as primarily a backup. But if the Bears answered a question about going into 2024 that, you know, who's our backup quarterback? That's a win for the roster, for the general manager, and that's a win for Tyson Bajan because coming into the season, reasonably, realistically, he couldn't have expected anything more than that. Now, having said that, I don't think that, you know, it's also – it's undeniable that he had some big moments, but a lot of those were undone by the propensity to turn the football over at an alarming rate. You know, eight turnovers in his stint in three and a half games, that's an alarming rate only because of how they happen and what they represented. Kind of the clock in his head works when he's in the pocket. He can sense pressure building and breaking down the pocket and all those things. What I don't think the clock in his head is, is quite calibrated yet is how fast can I get the football to my receiver and how fast can the defensive back close on that route? Because that's where I think the miscalculations have come down. Yeah better with experience but right now Dan I think he's a huge risk to go more than two or three games at a time and I think that's what he did and that's okay hey everyone this is Brett Boone would you know it I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year tune in as I sit down with my friends some of the biggest names in sports media entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts no, that's fine. Um, and, and and like, look, like I don't think the Bears are in any urge uh, to to get rid of him at season's end. You know what I mean? No, like, there's something right. here to still to still keep an eye on. But they've got to answer big picture quarterback questions. I am already fatigued at getting tweets and emails and voice messages about the 2024 NFL draft. It is November 6th, and we are already deep into our prep for which direction they should go. Uh, with their picks, you know, whether they're two top 10 or two top five or whatever they may be in April. But this is where we are with this franchise here. It's a, it's a team that, as you mentioned a minute ago, is two and seven. It's it's wayward. Uh, they, they have to start answering bigger picture questions. At the same time, you have a coaching staff in place that may be fighting for its job. And so there were some questions asked to Matt Eberflus on Monday about the playing time for, for you know, rookies like Zach Pickens and, and Javon Dexter. These are obviously guys that you want to see emerge and develop as younger players that, that you hope are part of your future. But in the demand to win games now, you kind of have to stick with Andrew Billings and Justin Jones because they keep you in a football game like the one Sunday in New Orleans. And God bless the Bears defense for giving them as many chances as they did Sunday afternoon to be in that football game and to have a chance to overcome another turnover and another turnover and another mistake. Uh, so, look, like there's a lot that, that is married together here in terms of your, your short-term needs and your big-picture view. And ultimately, I think it's uh, up to, to Ryan Poles and his group to try to, to try to balance that and put yourself in position here to make these last eight games meaningful in some way or another because they need to be meaningful. That's a good way to put it. And I think just clean up some uh, loose ends that were uh, addressed during Matt Eberflus' media session on Monday at House Hall. Jaquan Brisker is back after being cleared from concussion protocol. That's good news with a Thursday game. Tremaine Edmonds is now day-to-day with a knee injury. I don't know if that means he's closer to playing. My guess would be, Dan, he he is not going to play on Thursday night, but you don't never know. Um, Kerry Blassingame will be out against the Panthers with a concussion 
And of course, the the uh, diagnosis everybody was waiting for, the designation, Justin Fields goes from week to week to day to day and limited in practice. The Bears won't see much practice time this week with a Thursday game. I don't know if that's as big of a factor with Justin Fields because of his experience level. At the same time, no, no, nobody knows, none of us know what type of uh, pain he's playing through or how limited he is in his gripping the football and throwing it with velocity because as much as experience certainly will help him, if he can't grip it and rip it, as they say, he's going to be impaired. Oh, look, and one of the things that Darnell Mooney brought up is you have to also kind of anticipate how is this going to feel the first time I get sacked? How is it going to feel the first time I'm in a pile and there's, you know, a thousand pounds on top of me with my hand beneath me? So Justin's got to feel that out and, and understand what his pain tolerance is, what his grip strength and, and functional strength is, and they have to proceed forward from there. But after we talked on Sunday night, David, I kind of took a, a little bit of a different uh, thought process on this. And you see Josh Dobbs come into a team that where he didn't know teammates' names, had never thrown passes to any of his teammates in practice, had never uh, even been with his linemen to teach them his cadence, go out and score 28 points on the road against a quality defense and get a road victory, your third-year starter ought to be able to to endure a little bit of rust and a little bit of discomfort to try to get your football team going in the right direction. Totally agree with that, only because it is, it is a, a group he's familiar with and he's going to be playing at home and you're going to be playing against a, a Panther defense that may not have um, its, its full contingent either. They have some injuries that are going to probably make them even more vulnerable, and it's already one of the worst teams in football. So, I mean, I, I kind of hope he does play, and I understand the limitations, but you also can, you you know, you can scheme, you can call a game uh, plan and, and and call plays to kind of keep your quarterback out of harm's way, and he still could be a very dangerous runner. So let's wait and see. I'm not quite sure. Um, if not, Tyson Bajan will be ready to go. He did some nice things against the Saints. As you point out, the first three quarters – he was dynamic. He changed his arm angle. He made plays with his feet, 60 yards rushing in the first half after things broke down. DJ Moore told us this morning, Dan, on the Mullen and Haas show on Monday morning that he didn't think that the Saints adjusted much in the second half to prevent Tyson Bajant from you know, stopping to use the run at his disposal. I, I will take his word for it. It did seem like they played a little bit more zone defense in the second half than man, um, which would obviously make – him less of a threat when they played the two man and that's what he was doing in the first half. Well, and you just you just shortened your fourth quarter possessions with with the, the giveaways, you know, and it right. started with a punt to start the quarter and then uh you know, when interception, interception uh, looks like a punt and then a, a, a fumble, you know? And so like, like those are the things that, that at that stage of the game, again, it was 17 to 17 going into that fourth quarter. And this bears team needs to find a way as we've been talking about for two years to break through in game on the line moments. They need to have someone be a game changer, someone be an impact playmaker, someone come up with the play. I mean, like I know you lived 2006 and you know how, dire that game in Arizona was on a Monday night and and all of a sudden a bunch of guys decided we're going to make plays and we're going to put this thing in the right column and the Bears have so few of those guys on their roster right now so few of those guys contributing uh, that they have to identify more and they've got to turn them loose in a way where, where the results come. The one thing that I, I did not see addressed because there was a lot going on, I started to listen to Matt Eberflus and all of a sudden the Cubs changed the Chicago sports world forever. Um, <laughs> So I, I don't know if he fully addressed the, the question I, I posed with you on Monday morning on the Mullion Haas show as well. It's third and four, and there's three minutes to go in the game. The Bears are trailing 
24 to 17. The ball's at the eight-yard line. They eventually punt on that series. But on the second down play, DJ Moore ran a deep pattern that was uh, incomplete. But he stayed out of the game for third and four. So you have, at that point in time, very important play. Uh, One of the more important ones in the game because you need to keep the chains moving. There's three minutes left. And DJ Moore on the sidelines, your best offensive player, not even an option. Tyler Scott gets the ball or the intended receiver, that to me is part coaching, all awareness, and it can't happen. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it is something we will have to follow up with Luke Getze about when we get a chance to talk to him uh, in the next day or two because I do think that it's important to uh, just get some clarity on why at a, at a pivotal moment of a game like that, even after running a deep route, your, your, your number one threat isn't part of a, a pivotal third down like that. Um, look, like – there's a million things within a game that can swing it, you know, and, and that that's one small example of, okay, are we making too much of that? I don't know. Uh, do they have an explanation for it? Probably, but let, let, let's at least get that explanation to, to, yeah. to have a better understanding of the operation. That's all I want to do is, you know, address it. Now th- it can be dangerous to address these kind of things. I can remember it takes me back to, I think it was 2014 in, in Foxborough and it was Brandon Marshall in a similar cir- circumstance. He came out of the game and he checked <laughs> out of the game and I asked him after the game, and that's when he went, uh, uh, that's whack, bro, and he went off on me. So, I mean, different to- different circumstance. They were down by about 35 points at that point. As Definitely different. To- <laughs> Context is everything, but that's where my head goes. But you have to be very careful asking wide receivers about plays they aren't in the game for. I guess that is that is the overall uh, lesson. But it's it's interesting, so I wondered that. The other thing I wondered as we kind of, you know, talk big picture about this week and what happened on Sunday in New Orleans when Luke Getze talks, whether it's t- Tuesday or Wednesday, in the second half, I felt like in the first half, uh, you know, Bajan was really effective moving the pocket and on the move. And then he was making decisions, run pass, and he would tuck it. And then sometimes he's better throwing um, on, on the, uh, you know, when he's on the run. In the second half, I think that he was very stationary. And they almost made it. No, he was getting good protection. That's the good thing. But he was in the pocket. And it was almost like, he was in the pocket, and then he was thinking, and then that clock in his head that I referenced earlier wasn't working correctly, and he he threw the Bears into peril. And I wonder why they stopped moving the pocket in the second half. Well, yeah, and I think do think they moved it in the third quarter some as well. I mean, you, look, I'm looking at the the first through third quarter summary here. He was 15 and 19 for 201 yards, two touchdowns, and a 123.9 rating through three quarters. And so you walk into the, the the fourth quarter of that football game, David, with 352 yards offense, 17 points, a missed field goal, and and, and opportunities to, to have a, a really, really good offensive day. And then in the pivotal moments of the fourth quarter, they just malfunctioned in every way, shape, or form. And, and, and so like that's something that has to be uh, a collective responsibility to get that, that, that short up up and fixed um this team has to at some point figure out how to take these close games and win them you know and, and i don't know what it's going to take um look there's a lot that goes into that it's play calling it's it's playmaking it's it, it's execution it's uh you know design and and, and they've got to take a long hard look at that and figure out what those answers are 